Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so excited for you to join us today on this special episode. We are joined today by actress Jenna Cormie, who is playing the character of Elaine in an upcoming new musical called Singfeld, an unauthorized musical parody about nothing. The show is opening June 14th at the Jerry Orbach Theater here in New York. And tickets and more information are available at singfeld.com. Jenna, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. I am so excited to have you here. I'm so excited too. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. And I know Elaine inside me is, you know, she's she's dancing. She's ready to go. <laughs> See, I'm so <laughs> to talk about this show because Seinfeld was just like one of those cornerstones of my childhood and that growing up in the 90s you know it's so hard to get a younger generation into it because I'm like i don't get it what's the plot and i'm like exactly there is no plot That's the point just they're they're horrible humans in the best way possible just go on the ride and relate to the story and i feel like a lot of p- younger people today is like i don't know so i love that there is this great parody musical now coming that i feel like so many people are going to flock to and enjoy but I am doing the worst job ever of, of explaining this. So why don't we come to you, the actress that plays Elaine, and have us have you tell us a little bit about what Singfeld, an unauthorized musical parody about nothing, is about. Well, it's an unauthorized musical parody. So, you know, we take some liberties. But like the sitcom and per our website, the show centers around Jerry and his three best friends, George, Elaine, and Cosmo. Um, You know, legality reasons. We got to really make sure we take care of business here. As they navigate the highs and lows of living in New York, of dating, working, kind of like that timeless Seinfeld universe. So you might remember in the original series, George and Jerry pitched a sitcom, Jerry, to the NBC execs. And a similar plot unfolds in our show as well, except it's a musical and they're writing a musical. So that's kind of like the central plot of the show. In the process, you're going to reunite with some of your favorite guest star characters. You're going to see Newman. You're going to see George's parents. You're going to see Elaine's eccentric boss, Mr. Peterman. I'm trying not to spoil some of the characters that we do still want people to be surprised. And there will be surprises. So I'm not going to spoil anymore. But you're going to see a lot of your favorite characters from the show. This is amazing. I love all of this already. I want to get signed up for multiple shows at this point to just laugh and laugh and laugh. But I want to know how did you and everyone else come up with the show or come upon the show? So a lot of us got involved. Obviously there was an audition process. We, you know, a lot of us just auditioned through an actor's access, get an appointment, go in you know, audition, try to, you know, make the best of a fart joke in the room. But I personally, I wasn't a stranger to the creative team when I walked in the room. In 2018, I was hired to be the female swing on the North American tour, the first North American tour of Friends, the musical parody. So I already knew Bob and Tobley, the writers of the show. And I also was familiar with Kathy. They did an off-Broadway run before the last national tour that they did. They did that in July of 2021. There was a We did it from July to September. So it was like a two month off Broadway run. And then we went back on the road post pandemic. So that was really magical. Our cast kind of reunited for that. And in between during COVID, Bob and Tobley wrote 
because they have so many artists that they employ. They really pride themselves on like putting a lot of artists to work. And during the pandemic, it was just a really challenging time to find work. And they wrote this COVID safe, socially distanced walking tour, which was an unauthorized parody, like murder mystery parody of The Office. And it was about who is the Scranton Strangler. So the actual title of the show was The Office, a murder mystery parody, who is the Scranton Strangler. And so I got to play like current day pandemic pregnant Pam and Jim was there. And like, so you would meet, you, you would, Michael Scott would be your tour guide and he would take you through each of these different spots and you would like kind of connect with some of the characters. So you would see Dwight first and then you would go and see Jim and Pam and then you'd see Phyllis and Meredith and, and basically try and figure out who the Grand Strangler is. So it was super funny. And I was really grateful to them because we were all just like, what is happening in the world? Am I ever going to work again? So luckily I was very, I was connected to them already. And then coincidentally on the last tour of Friends, I did press at one point and they had asked me, I was really unprepared for the question, but they had asked me, is there any other sitcom character that you would like to parody in the future? At the time I was playing Phoebe in Friends. And I was like, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. And I was like, I don't know if they have anything in the works. I have no idea, but if they're looking for an Elaine, I would really, really love a shot at it. And at the time I had no idea, but I guess they listened. So, and I'm thrilled to be doing it. Yes, that's amazing. Well, what has it been like developing the show and this role in Singfeld? The development of the show has been a, I guess what I would like to call a delightfully chaotic process. It's when you're working on a new musical, there's a lot of stuff flying around and Nobody has any idea what's going on. So we started out with a table read. We did some character and impression work. A lot of like the personal homework we've been doing is like watching the show 24 seven. So I'm like listening to a podcast. The minute I like walk out the door, there's a podcast in my ears going. When I'm taking a shower, when I'm doing my makeup, I have like clips on my phone of her and the moments that we're kind of referencing in the show so that I can watch them before each performance and kind of just like know even just the tonality that she uses, her body language, how she feels about that character has been super helpful because there's just so much source material to pull from. So basically we've all just been binging the show nonstop, listening to podcasts, doing the whole thing. I also find it personally, when I do a parody, I like to acquaint myself with not just the character that that celebrity play because they don't want to see even necessarily Elaine, the audience. They want to see Julia. They want to see JLD. And so I like also watching her other stuff too. So Veep has been super helpful with that as well. I'm just kind of like seeing her in all of her different roles and uh, just kind of focusing on doing an impression of her first and foremost. Also, I want to do her proud. She deserves it. She's such a gift. But anyway, so we did a table read. We did some character impression work with the director. And then we started doing music for a few days. We got it up on its feet. We did some blocking, some choreo. And then we started like putting stuff in it. Like we started having like set pieces added. We started having costume pieces, quick changes. A lot of our characters, we only have five of us in the show. So it's one of our smaller casts for these parody shows. And we all play a ton of different characters aside from Jerry. Jerry's the only track that stays himself the whole time. So we're constantly quick changing and stuff. So they had to kind of like move stuff around, make things make sense in a physical way. 
Yeah. So I feel like we've done at this point and we're like only, you know, a fraction of the way into the run here. And I feel like we've done a hundred different versions of the same show, but every single time we make a cut, it's sharper and clearer and funnier. And it's always for the greater good. It's not like a personal thing. Like if something gets cut, you know, the book and lyrics were written by Bob and Tobley McSmith who have two of their other musicals running in the space in the theater center, those being The Office musical parody and Friends musical parody. Our composer, Billy Reese, is a billboard-topping composer. He's fantastic. He gave us this really, really gorgeous score, and it's dynamic and fun and catchy, and we're all, like, singing it afterward when we're, like, getting out of costume and stuff. We're, like, always, like, re-singing the finality just to, like, get it out of our heads. He wrote a Sondheim medley in there. Like how, like what a feat of strength. You know what I mean? The guy is an absolute genius. And his music really makes the storytelling easy to do, which in a fast paced process is such a gift because it's like, I don't have to figure out how to make this make sense. He just writes the music that goes with the lyric and everything is lovely. Our choreographer, Jordan Ryder, very lovingly and with a wonderful sense of humor has helped to guide our cast through physicalizing these iconic characters in a musical world. So, you know, when you're thinking about choreography and stuff, it's like, I'm not just dancing as Jenna and I'm not a dancer, but I'm dancing as Elaine and Elaine is a notoriously bad dancer. So keeping the mindfulness of her physicality in it, our choreographer has been so lovely about not only creating choreography that fits those characters, but also helping us to like hone that and specify that. Yeah. And then our director, Mark David Wright, he's a Seinfeld super fan. His family is like, they're constantly talking in Seinfeldisms all the time. And he's just an all around really wonderful human being. And he has thoughtfully crafted not just a show, but like an experience for Seinfeld super fans. Like it's just such a, an amazing thing. So it's been, since it's been such a special experience for him, it's been really special for us on the other side of the table because he just cares so much and makes us excited, you know? So anyway, I've talked enough. <laughs> no, I love all that. I love the shout outs to the creative team and just learning how the process comes together. This is getting me more and more excited about the show. And that leads me to ask, even though it's a, a really raucous comedy, it's a parody musical, is there a message or a thought you hope audiences take away from the show? Yes, very much so. And and it's kind of like antithetical to Seinfeld as a whole, because it's been dubbed the show about nothing for as long as we can remember, right? So in the finale of our show of Singfeld, Jerry sings this really beautiful lyric, you've got everything you need, the best things can come from nothing kind of reflecting on that, you know, show about nothing motif. And when you think about it, like the source material was so, about so much more than nothing. If anything, the characters in Seinfeld, they mocked those cornerstones of existence and like marriage and professional success and like parenthood. They were just like, the personal values of the characters were also like a departure from that tra traditional sitcom and that like, we learned something today. They're like, I didn't learn anything. I, if anything, I, I'm just jaded now. <laughs> but I think that the, the friendship between the four, the main four, had this more realistic, pretense-free friendship where they acknowledged the bad parts about each other. They were like incredibly self-deprecating, but they loved each other anyway. And they always like showed up for each other and like kind of held each other accountable when they were 
acting out of turn or enabled for the entertainment of the greater good, right? So for me, as a childless, husbandless, 29-year-old New Yorker playing pretend for a living, I really appreciate the normalization of these like alternative values because I don't know, my way of life, much like these other characters, it might seem like nothing to like other people who are having babies and doing the thing. And those are all like really important things if they're important to you. And they may see my life as amounting to nothing. But to me, like I'm living the dream. So, you know, I really... I'm very grateful for what the show means in an overall sense. So I'm hopeful that we can kind of do that with our silly little skit. Yeah. Well, finally, for this first part, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to your show? Well, yeah, like I said before, Seinfeld's finale aired on May 14th, 1998. So this week is the 25th anniversary of the finale of the show, the controversial finale of the show. But I think that we're we're hopeful to obviously hit the general market you know ticket sales are important it'll appeal to theater goers of all kinds so musical theater fans anybody who loves and enjoys like fast-paced edgy comedy and for those just kind of looking to immerse themselves in like a nostalgic fever dream type thing but the show this show in particular especially is for the Seinfeld fans like whether they're casual fans that watch it in syndication and they're just kind of like oh I'll watch it when it's on you know or I'll watch it on I'll stream it on Netflix or however and then there's also like the diehard trivia winning show quoting super fans and it's really for for them you know what I mean like they'll be able to pick out every little tiny detail and we've thought through every detail, every prop, costuming, wigs, everything to recreate this as realistically as possible for them. I got to say my wig is fantastic too. Like I'm, I really love my Elaine wig, (laughs) but we're just, we're really hoping to reach those who are looking for that safe, nostalgic place, you know, post pandemic to reconnect with these characters that they love or maybe even hate. And in a musical world, we've been able to kind of fantasize about what could have been, what like kind of would not have resulted in success in a sitcom. Because it's a musical, we've been able to kind of pull off some fantasy stuff that some people will be like, oh my God, I always wanted that to happen. Or, you know, I always wanted to see that or what that would be like. So we've been able to actually access some of those things too, so. up we like to give our audience a chance in the second part of our show to get to know our guests a little bit more and i want to start by asking you what inspires you what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or are even some of your favorites well when i first got into the business like when i first started working in the theater I had no idea that I was a comedic actor. I had no idea. I was oblivious. But once I started actually getting paid to do it, I started to notice this pattern of parody, musical comedy. I was like, okay, maybe I should just lean in. And in the meantime, I've been able to consume so much musical comedy and just embracing that. It's such a different 
world of like kind of what I studied in college and whatever. And I've become so passionate about it now. So I adore shows like Avenue Q, You're in Town, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder is one of my favorites and has a dream role in there for me. Some of them haven't aged as gracefully as others, but they all have one thing in common in that they are like funny, like laughing till you cry funny. And I'd like to think that in the past few years, we've learned a lot and we have come a long way in terms of being more inclusive and thoughtful, especially when it comes to comedy. But I think with shows like this, and we've been, you know, very thoughtful about that in the room with Sinkfeld, is that comedy and parody don't need to be cruel to be funny. You don't need to punch down for a laugh because everyone deserves to laugh. So I've just always admired the writers, composers of shows that have managed to be inclusive and thoughtful while still pulling off like stuff that will make me laugh until I cry, you know? Have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I loved, I love Shucks. I just saw it a couple weeks ago and it's such a great example of one of those clean, wholesome, thoughtful Broadway musicals. It's so fun. The set is gorgeous. The voices are insane. The music is so good. But my friend and I, who's also, she's also a comedian, came to see it. So that's really like a test too. If you get two comedians in the room and they're like laughing the whole time, that's how you really know. Like we laughed the entire time. And she's also from Tampa. So that whole reveal was like, she was the only person in the audience like laughing for as long as she was laughing. Like everybody was like, who's this lady? She must be from Tampa. Definitely shucked. But also I recently saw Titanic off Broadway. Oh nice. my God. <laughs> it, we I saw it a couple days before we started previews for Singfeld. And I was so inspired after seeing that show to play and laugh and be in the room with my castmates because these people have such chemistry. It's unreal. The show in and of itself is probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I fully, during the the actor that plays Rose's mom has like a tantrum on stage. Just, you know, I don't know if they're covering a costume change. I don't know what it's for, but it is completely improv and it was unreal. I was fully crying. And that does I think not happen often be like uh, an homage to Gypsy. Yes, yes. Rose's turn. That's why she's like yes. sitting on stage and throwing things around. And and I was like, because I saw it for the I didn't first even... time. And I was like, why does this happen? And I went, her daughter's name is Rose. Oh, I think this is supposed to be the gypsy Rose's turn meltdown. That's a smart Easter egg. Hmm. I can't say. Oh my goodness. My mind is blown right now. Thank you so much for that. That adds so much to the experience for me. Also, the venue is perfect for it. The set is very simple, but super functional. And then at the end, like the woman playing Celine Dion was like, thank you for coming to see Titanic on the sets of Anything Goes. And I was like, I'm dead. Oh my gosh. Everybody. so funny. Yeah. If. I mean, especially if you're a Celine Dion fan, you should run, not walk to see Titanic. It is the one of the best pieces of theater I've I've ever seen in my entire life. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? The people. Hands down, the people. A lot of the more rewarding friendships in my life have come from the casts or crews that I have been a part of I've been lucky enough to be included in 
here at Thingfeld, I'm absolutely head over heels for my castmates. They are so wonderful and we adore each other. And luckily, you know, for us in the same way with Seinfeld itself, we adore each other. And so we have this wonderful chemistry on stage that we're able to just kind of like ping pong, you know, the pace is really fast. And, but more so than that, we're always watching each other's backs and like celebrating each other's moments each other's laughs like oh I got a huge laugh tonight I'm rooting for you we're like we're listening to somebody's impression and just like finding joy in each other and in doing it together it's such an ensemble show and I've been really lucky in my career to be a part of a lot of ensemble shows not kind of like that like the leads and then the ensemble like it's been a collective effort and I think the sooner that you can kind of bond and connect the more magical your experience becomes because it's not it's not always that way especially like in hierarchical shows you know where somebody's in a you know more significant role or something like that it's not always easy to connect everybody so there's this really magical thing that happens when everybody gets along so well and unlike Seinfeld there is where there was no hugging no learning there's a ton of learning and there is a ton of hugging in this cast I love that I now get to ask my favorite question, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Okay, so this is <laughs> this is so basic. When I was 13 years old, my mom took me to my first Broadway show, Wicked. And I was so moved. I cried through the entire intermission. And then I paused to watch the second act. Cried during For Good, of course. Cried the entire walk back to Penn Station, the entire New Jersey transit ride to the end of the Morris Essex line. I was just completely swept off my feet. Like I was, I was, my life was changed forever. And I had seen other shows and I was always like captivated, but there was something about being in a, in the space, in the room where it happens. Right. And being in this massive theater and like seeing something that was, you know, obviously very expensive to put on, but more so than that, I think it was probably the message. And there's something that is so unbelievably powerful about theater in that unlike, well, I shouldn't say unlike, but I'm saying like theater has this kind of like all encompassing, you have human beings telling a story, speaking, singing, acting, dancing, all these like things coming together. And it can change minds. It can give people purpose. It can save lives. It can make the misunderstood understood. It's utterly invaluable. And at that moment in my life, when I was 13 years old and had 13 year old problems. I wanted more than anything to play even the smallest part in that magic. So I would have done anything to be anywhere near that stage. And since then, I've actually auditioned for Glinda. Like I'm actually like going in to the room and singing the music. And that blows my mind every single time that happens. And now currently I'm doing a five show week right across the street from the Gershwin Theater. And if you told my 13-year-old self that, she would fall over. She just wouldn't be able to believe you. So I'm just absolutely floored that I get to do this for a living and that other people think I'm okay enough that I actually get to play pretend for a living. I'm in love with what I do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We love a good Wicked story. Wicked is fantastic. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that wonderful memory, though. That really was beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. I tried not to cry. I, just, <laughs> I did. 
Well, finally, if our listeners want more information about Singfeld, an unauthorized musical parody about nothing, or about yourself, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Well, if you want to learn more about the show, you can head on over to Singfeld.com. You can also follow at Singfeld, the musical, and at the theater center on Instagram. And then you can just do, you know, the show's name, Singfeld, the musical, or the theater center you know, on Facebook, find us there. And if you want to reach out to me personally, I'm not on TikTok because I would never have any spare time or any time for self-care. I know that about myself. I would spend the entire time watching cat videos. So um, I just have Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to reach out to me on Jenna Cormie on all those platforms at Jenna Cormie on Instagram. Yeah. And since Elon Musk overtook, you know, Twitter, I just was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Jenna, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and talk about this fabulous new parody musical and about yourself. This has been amazing. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. It's been such a pleasure. It was like having a cup of coffee with a good friend. Like that was so lovely. Thank Thank you for having me. My guest today has been Jenna Cormie, who is playing Elaine in the upcoming production of Singfeld, an unauthorized musical parody about nothing. The show opens June 14th at the Jerry Orbach Theater, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting singfeld.com. We also have some contact information for the show and for Jenna, so you can stay up to date about all her upcoming projects and productions. But in the meantime, let's all go over to singfeld.com, get our tickets to go see the show at the Jerry Orbach Theater. We'll let you know when Stage Whisper is going to be attending because you know we're going to be attending and we'll make it a Stage Whisper night out at the theater. But for right now, get your tickets for Singfeld, an unauthorized musical parody about nothing. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of Cape. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.